welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast. I'm Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive, and today we're turning our uh, attention to an issue that probably has risen up the agenda more and more in the last few weeks, uh, talking to REC members around uh, the country. You know, that initial shock of the onset of the COVID crisis and the the action this day work members had to do around things like getting control of cash flow, moving out of the way. There's a real question about leadership and management and engaging and supporting your team and also helping the organisation reshape for the new normal that seems to be dominating a lot of my discussions with recruiters and other business leaders around the country right now. So I'm delighted today to say that we can uh, welcome Penny DeVolk to the pod. Many of you will have come across Penny in the past. She now works as a leadership development coach with a particular focus on supporting development for women leaders but in the past has been a leader at the Institute for Leadership and Management and also in the sector at Penna and Savile, uh, which of course ended up as part of the ADECO group. Penny, welcome to the pod. Pleasure to be here, Neil. Let's start with a kind of big open question and kind of see how we dig down into it. How does leadership in a crisis change? How is leadership in a crisis different to what maybe business owners, chief executives, MDs would be doing in the day-to-day? That is a big question. In some ways, it's different. And in others, it's the same skill set, but almost on steroids. What does a crisis mean? What usually in a crisis, particularly let's talk about one like this, which is an extreme crisis. It's the, you know, what we're experiencing is a completely unprecedented event. And and every leader is being tested. I mean, this will probably be most leaders' ultimate test. But what people need in a crisis is uh, often what you don't feel you can give them. They need reassurance and they need clarity. And very often you can't give that to them. So that is the real nuance. They want you to look like you're in charge, like you have some answers, because uncertainty, the uncertainty as we are in here, which most crises, it pervades most crises, really triggers people's fear. And so without people scattering, we need to, as leaders, take some responsibility for giving them confidence, for wanting to reassure them. But then at the same time, we are uncertain about the future. So there's a real balance between reassuring and giving confidence, but not lying, not giving assurances that we can't deliver on, because at the heart of what leaders need to build in a crisis is trust. And that's a very, very challenging uh, thing to navigate when we ourselves are not sure about what the future will bring. I think that's a really powerful insight, Penny. If I think about some of what we've read over the years about leadership and, you know, certainly I think I and other leaders have come to view synchronicity between who we are as a person and who we are as a leader is really important to building trust so that people feel that we're we're consistently all the, the always the same person. Now, the, cha- the really challenging thing in this scenario is, of course, any business leader is uncertain, worried about things, not wanting to transfer that over to 
the team wanted to get the team focused on a on a clear plan that everyone believes in whether you take the kind of keegan style view of the ma- wearing the mask of command or my favorite eisenhower quote which i fear i've said on the pod before but i'm going to say again about the the role of the leader to exude the confident expectation of success there's a real tension there in terms of how you find something that feels harmonious and authentic for yeah. you as a leader but in doing that doesn't broadcast your path on the grief and recovery cycle with everything that's going on what are the kind of good coping tools and and resolution tools for that kind of question that you've seen across your experience Mm. you're absolutely right neil because there are two things you're you're sort of as a leader taking the responsibility for assuring people giving them confidence helping navigate the organization and you do take on board a lot of people's anxieties while living with your own so really important this is much you know the test of leadership is your own resilience how are you building your own reserves and so it's really important that leaders also look after themselves in terms of keeping fit Man, you know, being their good mental mental strength coach as well, making sure that you stay really focused and positive because you're right, you know, inauthenticity, people have a real good nose for when you're not getting the real deal, especially when you're anxious. You're looking uh, for things and if words and even body language don't connect, you'll go to the body language. So someone might put out a very confident statement, but look very anxious themselves. We will go to believing the anxiety. And that will undermine not just the authority you have uh, as a, a leader, but you have a responsibility. You know, your your power and your position gives you a responsibility to do the best by people. And I think as long as people know that that's what you're doing, we don't always have to be 10 foot tall and bulletproof and pretend that this isn't that this isn't affecting us. So I think it's okay to say often how you're feeling to demonstrate your vulnerability gives you that authenticity, but you don't have the right to fall apart on your people. So there's that real, as you say, it's it's a it's a subtle dance of giving people confidence, giving them hope. Um, so some of it is about really oh, not overdoing, but really communicating a lot getting a source for people to put their questions in as an organization, make sure that someone has some central per, central spot, that someone's able to ask questions, that you go back and answer these questions as openly as you can. Um, make sure in the organization that your communication is all lined up, that you know what you can say, and that you've got the right spokespeople. You don't want to be, if, if anyone senses that they have been given false assurance, then basically that will they will feel that they are lied to. So communicate often. It's okay not to have all the answers. Just say that rather than sugarcoat something that people will, because our, our nose, our antennae for can I trust this will be very, very, very attuned because, you know, lives are at risk and, and livelihoods are at risk. And this is really an unprecedented event. And when we're grappling with the unknown, everyone you know it's as a leader you will be walking around with a loud hailer and a spotlight on you so your body language what you say everything will be signaling how am i feeling what are we going to do and it's really important that people know the tough stuff but that you also are giving people hope 
you need to be saying, we will get through this. We can do this as a team. And, and making sure that you are helping other people in their anxiety, you know, making sure that they are getting into some good habits, building up because we know about our negativity bias. We know in this sort of crisis, it's very easy for us to sway to the negative. So make sure that they're changing the channel every now and then. What's the best thing that you've done today? What's really working for you today? What do you think that we should take into the future that uh, that would stand us in good stead? So it's that balance of not being Pollyanna so people feel that you're taking this lightly, not sugarcoating, but also giving people hope. And you are the spokesperson and you are not only the spokesperson, but you are really the signal. How you show up will enable people to get on the get on that horse again, get through another day, stay focused, stay focused when there's not a lot of always information because that lack of clarity uh, is is probably one of the most stressful things that people have, are, are grappling with right now, um, in, including what it means for them. They're going to have jobs. As if, if someone with them who they know as a loved one ill. It is so powerful, this anxiety provocation that we're in in this environment at the moment. It asks a lot of leaders. So I would also say those leaders need to look after yourself. You know, as they say in the airlines, put your own oxygen mask on first. I think that's a really powerful message because, you know, it's not quite the Daniel Kahneman world of type A and type B thinking. But if you look at the recruitment industry, you know, my pastiche of it would be that we were probably a week ahead of the rest of the British economy. The British, and we always say recruitment's first in and first out when it comes to economic cycles. Um, the weekend of the 13th to the 16th of March, the market just went away. Mm. Um, and when that happens, of course, as a recruitment business leader, as you'll know yourself from your own experience, you get thrown into an awful lot of action this day processes around where's my cash, what's my runway, how can I take uh, cost out sustainably, should I wait for government to do something or do I need to take action now? And these are big, immediate pressing issues. But at the same time, as the leader, you're always on show. Mm -hmm. uh, you're always being observed. Um, and, you know, how you give yourself when, when you could easily work 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, how do you give yourself the time and space away to form your messages, create uh, the shape of what you want to do, make the decisions within within the the groups that you use to be open in a way that you can't be in the business yes. which i think is always very powerful leaders these are these are really huge topics that i've you know i've come across with chief execs across mm -hmm. the sector in the last six weeks or so and i think this crisis is unique in that regard in lots of ways because of what it's forcing us to do what are the effects of the nature of this crisis on that kind of process for leaders in terms of how you get it right what are the things that are perhaps amplifiers of some of the challenges you've just been talking about penny or perhaps tools to address their things yes you're right i it's it's very interesting to see even country leaders probably this has been unprecedented that we've seen you know prime ministers and presidents all addressing the same crisis at the same time so i'm sure there will be a huge number of studies on um on on different leadership styles and and what worked and what didn't 
I think it's the complete lack of there being any track record around this and also the complete component of businesses and lives at risk. So I think that the it is so charged emotionally, not just economically. And I think that makes us a little different. And that is drawing on we have this huge care for our organizations, but we're also drawn. And we've always, even in the financial crisis, obviously we care about people. We don't want to let people go. But there's this health crisis as well, which is deeply personal. And, and everyone is affected by it emotionally. You can't see those numbers every night at five o'clock and not be deeply uh, immersed in the health and the personal and emotional crisis as well. So what we know about our own personal resilience is that when we're under stress, uh, we make decisions very quickly. Uh, and that, the, But this crisis is going to be a long game. Even, you know, politicians are starting to talk about it being a marathon, not, not a sprint. So how do we actually make sure that we can, um, you know, work this long game, that we can run a marathon, not a sprint, because often crises are in the moment, it's sort of heroic leadership, charge from the front, and everyone follows. I just don't see this being what is required of leaders. We need deep authority, we need deep decision-making, we need judgment and wisdom, and we need deep, deep compassion. And so the leaders who are able to manage themselves psychologically and physically, manage their own mental strength and their own resilience around this will be very, very uh, well served. And those are the people who have already built that resilience to a certain extent. You know, and what is resilience? It's, it's the ability to know that you will prevail, that uh, you have got some buffer, that you have been building reserves and being able to ensure that you're you're personal and physical self and psychological self has those reserves. So it's really important, as you said, Neil, for us to make sure we're filling that tank. And that means that we do look after ourselves, that yes, we could be working 24-7. That isn't actually going to serve us well. So thinking about what is it that my people need, be really structured, communicate often, uh, it's As I said, it's okay not to have all the answers. You don't have to be this 10-foot-tall, bulletproof person. Be vulnerable, but then take people with you on the positive side. And also start getting people thinking about some of the things that this experience might actually, that they might want to take with them. I mean, I'm not sure about you, Neil, but I am speaking with with uh, someone I was coaching yesterday, she was about to go back onto maternity leave. Well, she's had dad at home with this this newborn for the last month, and he was in, and I saw the kid. It's lovely, actually, about the, the humanity of Zooming everyone into everyone's homes. Uh, and he just said, I'm not going to have another child and not spend the first two months with them. Very interesting. He said, this has been amazing. I would never have done this. I would have never have spent this time, and it's been absolutely precious. I'm talking to you know, senior people who were very sniffy about working from home, they would always put in adverted commas, who are now on teams going, I can't believe we went in and out of the office. This has been perfect. This is, a, I'm so productive now. I've seen people say, there's no way I want to get back to be doing commuting five days a week. I've got learning and development, you know, global leads saying, you know, we just did a really powerful Zoom a session with breakout rooms and plenaries and skill buildings in two hours. And we had the New York team and the Paris team all on this. 
And I, you know, just saying, I don't know why we did all of that face to face before. So some of it is about also engaging people into the future. So it's engaging their creative mind. It's engaging their their uh, future focus. They can start thinking about the positive components of this experience and using that time well. I think that's absolutely right. And I think if you're thinking about that happening in your own business, it's going to be happening in your clients' businesses as well, which mm-hmm. is a, a, a hugely powerful thing. I remember talking to a chief exec of a, of a company that runs call centres uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And you know, now that they can run uh, a 1,000-person call centre without having a warehouse, and the question automatically is, why do we have the warehouse? <laughs> um, so, and, and you write to uh, down to you know parochial self interest. The REC's lease is up in eighteen months' time, and and I'm already thinking about well, what what do we need now, really? And that's a an interesting challenge because what you don't want to do is to reduce it to only a a kind of financial. Uh, decision. It's a people engagement decision because you yep. absolutely, we absolutely are going to be using all sorts of technology much, much more. In fact, we were having a discussion this week if we partially reopen the the REC offices with some staff in and some staff not. We actually aren't going to be able to open the meeting rooms up for internal meetings because we want people who are in the office to do meetings from their desks so that everyone is interacting with teams in the same sort sort of way. So there's a whole slew of changes coming down the track driven by this that we're learning a lot about. And I think for leaders, being able to sort the signal from the noise in all this is going to be a particular challenge, given that there are some things we'll carry with us as just a new way of doing business. And there's some things we might want to step back from as suitable for the crisis, but not going forward. Mm-hmm. Just before we close the podcast, Penny, I wanted to come on to something. I've seen Tony Goodwin from Antal talking about this uh, on social media earlier in the week, and it, it cut through for me, for me, which is this sense that we're, we're all fond of saying we're all in the same boat. And mm-hmm. of course, the truth is we aren't all in the same boat. We're all in our own boats in a in a fleet heading in roughly the same direction in the same storm. And, and it's clear that, you know, our teams in different businesses will have experienced uh, the crisis very differently based on their own uh, ability to cope. You know, we talk a lot about the difference between people who live in a house with a garden and people who live in flats in terms of what going out for exercise means and how important it is. But I I think there are all sorts of inclusion and diversity impacts of a crisis like this where we have to be aware of them in terms of how we we normalise after it. But we also need to think about what we've learned to try and close those opportunity gaps uh, that, that existed before when we come into mm. into the new world. I know you're a, a, a leader when it comes to thinking about DNI and both boosting the performance of organisations from the leader's chair, but also developing a more diverse group of leaders. What are your reflections on all of that uh, as we sort of start to edge towards the end of the lockdown? Mm. I think it's very interesting because I've seen a number of um, responses, Neil, people going, oh, well, you know, diversity, I can't be thinking about that now. And it's like, okay, well, that was obviously not very well embedded when all and then other organizations for whom it is just in their DNA, really looking at their decisions about people 
And there's not an organization I'm talking to who is not doing that, whether it's furloughs or plan A, plan B, plan C for different scenarios, who are looking at it through it's the lens of it's just about making the best of our talent. Do So do we really know who our talented individuals are? And, and many of them are very aware that, as you say about not being in the same boat, People aren't experiencing, even in the knowledge economy, where people aren't experiencing this at the same time. If you're a working couple and you're both at home and you've got kids and you're schooling your kids and you're cooking three meals and you don't have a cleaner and you're trying to work and you're trying to negotiate, you know, which room you're going to go in um, and, and then just finding, you know, I've got some female clients. So that, oh, that's really interesting. We had to have a big negotiation about who was going to do some of the, you know, so it's changing some of the norms, even in the division of labor at home, because it's thrown it into relief. Um, and then, as I said before, fathers who are going, well, I'm not going back to, um, you know, not taking paternity leave. This was a great gift. So I think in terms of the broader DNI thing, I think this this disruption will accelerate some changes in norms and flexible working that I think will persist. And as you say, we will need to be quite intentional and deliberate to say, well, you know, what do we take forward that will serve us well and what were good for the crisis? But I think that decision making we'll have to be very careful about because sometimes the water closes very quickly behind us and that we go back to what we're used to. But I don't think social distancing will enable us to do that anytime soon. So I would say that in terms of DNI, this this disruption, again, make the most of it. Extremely painful, extremely anxiety provoking. People aren't having the same experience. Um, and that, you know, we have to absolutely acknowledge. Talking to people, you know, I've got clients who are deeply introverted who say, I feel really, really bad, but I'm just loving this. I have my own space. I'm getting, I'm so productive. And others who are going the spare. So it's just even that in terms of what kind of personality you, are, you will be experiencing this very differently. Um, how you manage your anxiety, your own personal resilience, the anxiety people have about um, job losses, uh, the anxiety they have about their children's schooling. So everyone is carrying a level of anxiety around this, which as leaders, we need to acknowledge we can't always get rid of that anxiety. But we can use our power as leaders. And I use that term, you know, I, I mean, I mean to use that term because this is about good power. This is the time when we come into our own and we're able to demonstrate deep authority by managing our own emotions in this moment and giving people some certainty and some hope and also being able to be the deeply compassionate leaders who mostly are the leaders that I usually come across. I think that's a really powerful way to bring this to a close, Penny. I mean, I'm a great believer in the fact that at times like this, you you need to lead from the front because only uh, the senior staff in the organisation will make decisions with that balance between the commercial interests of the co uh, of the company and the the kind of broad duty of care we all have as leaders for our for our people. Yes. Um, whereas in good times, it's often easier to, you know, once we've got the right people in the right places and the right product to lead from the back and, and you know, let let our people free to 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 make the, to to make change. I think that piece around different people having different paths through this crisis. I think that awareness of that and different starting points is also going to be 
extremely powerful as we think about how we start to integrate ourselves again as workforces and the balance that we all strike between the human human interaction we all know we all need and want from work and the tools we now have to do things uh, more remotely and more digitally. I think that transition is going to be really powerful if we manage it well as leaders. You know, what we're going from, uh, you know, post uh, COVID and what we're going to and to be quite intentional about uh, how we manage that transition. And this is the time to start thinking about that as leaders. Fantastic. Benny, before we close, uh, remind uh, people where they can find out a little bit more about you and your work. Sure, Neil. I'm at uh, pennydevolk.com. That's my website. Or drop me an email on penny at pennydevolk.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. I think it's been a great chat and uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the REC podcast, Penny. So thank you. It's such a pleasure, Neil. Thank you so much for inviting me and uh, all the very best. Take care. And I hope everyone you've enjoyed that episode of the REC pod. We'll be back with another episode soon. You can find all of the uh, back copies of the podcast on the REC website and also at at your usual podcast source. Do get in touch with any thoughts, questions, topics you'd like us to cover. And I'll be back to speak to you all soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.